the one that should be worried. You're a freak. You're heading for big trouble. Are you ready? this year, at a venue here in Nashville called Brooklyn Bowl, a one-night-only benefit concert was held. And this guy was headlining. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Elvis Costello, still making brilliant music deep into his seventh decade on Earth, performing alongside some other rock and roll heavyweights, all to support a new charity called the Musician Treatment Foundation. You see this here? I've come to understand over time that this is one of the tools of my trade. And like a lot of musicians, I've discovered that from time to time you run into problems that require surgical intervention. Now, the Musician's Treatment Foundation... And it turns out Elvis and his wife Diana aren't just supporters of the cause. They're both on the foundation's board of directors. It's been, you know, a wonderful relationship where he has supported us in so many ways that we could never repay it. That's Irene Chang Samino, MTF's executive director. She says Elvis got involved thanks to his relationship with Dr. Alton Barron, an orthopedic surgeon from New York who started a practice in Austin, Texas, six years ago. At that time, he had understood that there were lots of working musicians in Austin who might actually need orthopedic care, but didn't have the means or health insurance to help them get that care. And in particular, he's a specialist in what doctors call the upper extremities. What he endeavored to do was to find a way to fund free care for these parts of the body for musicians. And Dr. Barron's specialty Shoulders, elbows, and hands are parts of the body critical to play most any instrument, especially this instrument. Hey you, support MTF to keep the music playing all day. If you don't know who guitarist Phil Hurley is, then surely you know this movie. Got room for one more if you still want to go to Aspen. Where did you find that? Some kid back in town traded the van for it straight up. I can get 70 miles to the gallon on this hog. A motif of the 1990s all the way through the turn of the century was to pepper a hit comedy with poppy alterna hits, dump them all on a soundtrack, add maybe a funk classic and a little dialogue from the movie. I like you a lot. <laughs> and sell it at Sam Goody and Tower Records for $17.99. This was also a time when folks bought music like it was their job. Everyone went to the movies, and MTV and radio were huge industry tastemakers. One of the bands who emerged on the alternative scene at the time was Gigolo Ants. Taxi's 
grew up in a little college town in way upstate New York called Potsdam, New York. Potsdam didn't have a lot of original music. Our very first show, we came out and played nothing but original material, which was kind of a sensation for a small town. Two days after Phil graduated high school, he and the other three members, including his older brother Steve, moved to Boston to raise their game and quote-unquote make it. We printed up some little cassette tapes back in the day, and we thought we were something special. So did a small record label based out of Hoboken, New Jersey, called Coyote Records. And we had our first record out on vinyl, you know, by 1988. And so we could tour in a van from Montreal to Athens, Georgia, all up and down the kind of eastern seaboard, playing all the college circuit. Our heroes when we were young were R.E.M. R.E.M. had kind of showed us a blueprint of another way of doing things. And so kind of following in their jingly jangly college rock ways, we just kind of went for it. In case you're wondering, uh, we're the Gigolo Ants from Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah, thanks for clapping, dude. Yeah, Boston. Uh, and uh, we have a single that just came out a couple days ago, and it's on uh, colored vinyl, and it's called Mrs. Washington, and it goes something like this. Young Phil Hurley had been playing in bands since he was eight years old. Now he was barely old enough to drive, and he and Gigolo Ants were living that road dog dream. And the quality of the local acts in the burgeoning Boston scene, bands like Dump Truck and Big Dipper, were pushing Gigolo Ants harder, rubbing off on them, as were other influential art rockers. In the early days of Jiggle Lance, that was the first time I had ever gotten to be a lead guitar player. And around that era, I found the band Television. And Television, for me, were like, that was a revelation to me. It was like, you can paint outside the lines. Around that same time, too, we found Big Star. During his 15 years in Gigolo Ants, this was Phil's life. Consuming music, performing it, writing it, recording it. Small label deals, some local buzz, relentless touring. Phil was the youngest dude in the band by five years, the hotshot wonderkind guitarist who could sing too. He had stage presence, an infectious toothy grin and long blonde hair, and his lead guitar parts seemingly elevated an already impressive band to another level and helped give them an edgier sound. Then in 1994, as alternative pop was crescendoing in the mainstream, Gigolo Ants signed with RCA Records. They're with us tonight to play a song from their new album, Flippin' Out. Please give a real nice welcome to the Gigolo Ants.
Six weeks after scoring the deal with RCA, the label's president and A&R head had departed, leaving Gigolo Ants in limbo. The following year, Phil left, and the band continued on without him. Dave and Steve from the band were really good songwriters, and there wasn't really room for me to be me. You know, like they were, it was good for me to be the, you know, the little kid who kind of played good lead guitar, but it, it was about growing up. Of course, there was a girl involved. There's always a girl involved. She was really pretty. She was really pretty. But uh, no, so I actually I moved from Boston all the way out to Seattle. Phil still sits in during the occasional reunion show with Gigolo Ants. Sometimes he travels to places like England and Spain where the band still has loyal fans from their heyday. One of the last times we were there, I had this you know, adult gentleman come up to me who really didn't speak much English, but he looked at me and said, your music, it is the soundtrack of my life. I was like, ah! <laughs> I just, you know, we never made any money, but like things like that kind of made it all worthwhile. We never made any money. Here's a band that existed during the music industry salad days. They signed to a major, made videos, toured the world, worked with big-time producers. You can say that they did all the things. But it's something to think about when you pick up that guitar, or write that poem, or show up to another band rehearsal. We never made any money. In Seattle, Phil would get involved with another girl, musically speaking. By sheer coincidence, within a couple of weeks, I got offered the gig to be with this girl, Tracy Bonham. My name is Tracy Bonham. Hey, hey, Phil. In spite of that opportunity and loads of talent, Phil finds it hard to assimilate himself into Seattle's post-grunge music scene. He ultimately relocates to a little town called Bastrop, Texas, just about 15 minutes outside Austin. The live music capital of America feels like a much better place for a guy with licks like this to find his footing. The South Austin Moonlighters are in Emerald tonight at the Golden Light. But first, you guys, they are here in the studio. Welcome Phil, Chris, Phil, and Lonnie. Hi, everybody. Thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Tell us about how you guys kind of came together. You're just friends or what? Well, we were all working in, in successful bands in and around the Austin scene, and we had this kind of idea of, like, what if we had this thing on the side just for fun, moonlighting for yeah, a regular job? I get job. it. I see what you did but there. But it just kind of took off, and yeah. it became our favorite thing to do. So this is our full-time job these days. I mean, it's y'all sound so good. I Thank think you. if people like four-part harmonies, I mean, I mean, it's going to be... We worked. I mean, that band was doing 160, 180 shows a year. Every weekend I was in a van going to Oklahoma, going to Louisiana, going to, you know, wherever. We were just out pounding. It was a really good band. As a member of the Moonlighters, Phil does what he does best. Pick up the guitar and play. Whoa, ain't you gonna carry me But here he finds himself again. A vital cog in the wheel, but not the main enchilada. So after 40 years of playing in bands, Phil does something he's never done before. I put out my first solo EP last year. And man, did I learn a lot about how different the industry is these days, you know, because I never even subscribed to Spotify and suddenly I'm like, how many Spotify streams did I have? And it's like, who cares? But like, but I have to care now, you know? The metrics are so different now. 
In the 90s, the metrics were physical album sales. How many cassettes did we sell? How many CDs? How many records? It was traditional commerce, and sometimes it paid out. In 2023, the metrics, streams, listens, downloads, likes, follows, pay out in monopoly money. And the numbers mean little when it comes to paying the rent. For Phil, finally releasing his own material after all these years means a little bit more. I started having this idea of like, it's time. It's time to have, because every band I've been in, I've always shared the ball. Gigolo Mass had three singers. My band Stone Honey had four singers. The Moonlighters had three singers. And like, everybody got their turn. But I had never been the guy standing in the middle of the stage, having to sing every song and front the band and do the whole thing. And it was a really daunting task. But, um, God, I got a good band right now. One, two, one. <laughs> Band to band, song to song, Phil Hurley has spent nearly his entire life figuring out how to sustain a living doing what he loves. Curating it so that this is all he ever does. Phil's formula starts with taking the gigs as they come, filling his calendar with venue names and music notes. A commitment of this magnitude is of course admirable, but it also comes with a price. And this is where the Musician Treatment Foundation comes in. I gotta start with just unbelievable gratitude. Most musicians I know don't have any semblance of insurance or the most basic insurance. And I work a ton. I play in a band, I do solo acoustic stuff, I play with anybody who will hire me. And I, you know, I'm playing four or five nights a week and a lot of nights I'm playing three sets. So I had gotten to this point where I had literally worn my thumb out to the point where it had left its mooring. And I was in an incredible amount of pain. I could barely sleep through the night. Like the weight of a pillow on my hand was too much. Four decades of guitar playing, all those bands, all those tours, had taken its toll on Phil Hurley's hand. Like a proper warrior, he tries to play through the pain. But Phil's livelihood is at stake. So more drastic measures are needed. Phil starts taking steps to find help through his Austin music community and a nonprofit called the Health Alliance of Austin Musicians, or HAM. Are you waiting for a ham joke? I'm not going to do it. And they were never there to say no. They were never there to say, well, you're not cool enough, or you don't play enough gigs, or your record didn't make it on the chart, or whatever the answer was, come on in. And the people there are angels. They're really good people. Independent artists hear the word no a lot, even if it's never said out loud. No, I'm not buying your album. No, I'm not coming to your show. No, you can't play my club. No, we're not signing you. As you get older, you learn to let the same old no's roll off your back. But you recognize that the yeses carry much more weight. It was an affirmation from Ham that put Phil Hurley in touch with Dr. Barron and MTF. 
from the moment I reached out, the answer was just yes. There was never any hoops to jump through. There were never any qualifications. They were like, come on in, we're going to make this happen. Phil would require multiple surgeries on his playing hand. The first one was no picnic. They took a ligament from my first finger that ran all the way up through my arm and cut it in half, leaving half of it intact in my first finger, and then drilled a hole through my thumb bone and fed that through my thumb bone and lassoed my thumb back into place. Ow! When your bones are being drilled, that's no minor scrape. Phil's recovery took months. I really worried. I mean, I was like, you know, I had made my living as a guitar player for a long time, and I really wondered, because it took so long. I was like, will I ever get back to being what I used to be? I felt guilty coming back and asking again. I felt like, you know, oh, please, you know, like, I, do I have any right to, you know, ask? They've already done so much for me. And, and I wasn't even sure that I would qualify for it. And there was never, there was never a question. There was never like, well, you're going to have to wait in line or you're going to have to fill out some extra forms or we'll do part of it. The answer was just like, come on. Phil's second surgery was less invasive and more successful. Dr. Barron is, is just, he's just an amazing, he, like, he's just an amazing guy. He's like, one, I mean, I joke and my wife makes fun of me because uh, he kind of looks like the middle brother between Robert Redford and Brad Pitt. You know, you're kind of pretty for a stuntman. That's what they tell me. I mean, he's like this handsome, debonair, well-dressed, super cool dude. And he just, like, he treats me like more than just another patient. He treats me like his friend. He gives me a hug. Like, my wellness and my ability to go back and do what I, I do matters to him. Because there is light if you'll open your eyes. It'll shine through the darkest of skies. The care that I've received from them, I, you know, there's no way I could pay them back for what they've done for me. And so anytime I can do a fundraiser or a benefit or spread the word, I always will. And I see that the Musicians Treatment Foundation is starting other surgeons around the country are going, I'll do that. And so I think you know, Nashville is coming on board. I think someone in Seattle, I think someone in LA, you know, are starting to realize it's my turn to step up and give back to the music community as well. And that's, it's phenomenal. I mean, that, that's just, that's a game changer. MTF's Physicians for Musicians Network has connected folks like Phil to doctors and surgeons in nearly 40 cities across the country. Thanks to MTF, Phil's able to get the care he needs without all the things that make us wary about asking for this sort of help. The waiting, the informalities, the red tape, and the paperwork. The foundation essentially covers the cost of the musician's care, and the doctors, in almost every case, waive, if not substantially reduce the fees they might charge to the foundation. Irene Chang-Samino says that generosity has extended beyond Dr. Barron's practice to a network of physical therapists, surgical centers. Our slogan or our tagline is keep the music playing. So that's really, you know, what we're aiming to do primarily through the work we do, but of course, in partnership with all the wonderful doctors who've agreed to be part of our P4M network. I asked Phil if at any point he was cynical about how this was all going to go. We're in the artist, man. We've got scars, trust issues. We've all been betrayed. What's the catch here? 
I was scared. I was like, am I really going to do this again? My recovery time from the first surgery had been so long. It took me so long to get my hand strength back and my coordination back. And I was really, really frightened to do it again. And uh, he kept assuring me, he's like, dude, you're going to play, you'll be playing within six weeks. And the first one, I had a very significant cast on my arm. The second surgery, I just had a light wrap. They said I could take it off after five days. That fifth day, I took off my wrap and I started playing guitar. This song is about those dusty back roads of Texas. Phil Hurley's hand is all better now, but his calendar is once again filled with shows, and tours, studio time, experiences. He can still proudly call himself a professional working musician. Considering how much he's gone through since those fledgling gigolo ants days, I can't help but also ask him, if he thinks the journey's been worth it. The guys I know who are guys and gals who have really stuck with it for their whole life, it's all consuming. It's all I've ever wanted to do. I've, all I've, I've never had a plan B. I want to play music. It's like, it defines me and has my entire life. And that's why I'll kind of do anything I can to continue to make a living in music. And I hustle. I mean, I, I take every little gig, you know, I do some gigs that are, that are probably below my standing, but I don't care. That doesn't like, I do it for that one guy who goes, dude, you were great. I've had my moments of being in front of lots of folks and getting adoration. Now it's just about making good music, you know, and, and I, I'd love to find my way back to getting a little bit more recognition for what I do, but that doesn't diminish my love of playing. Without that drive, most creatives find themselves spinning their wheels and eventually stopping. The avenues to success that existed for the first half of Phil Hurley's career, a radio hit, a video on MTV, or even an actual scene have mostly closed. And the radio played local bands. They were on local labels. There were locally owned record stores that sold those local records to local fans to go see the local bands in the clubs. It was an ecosystem, you know, and it all fed into each other. You could hear yourself on the radio, you could find your record in the store, and then you could go see it in the club. And it was all there and available in a relatively small city. In the 21st century, ecosystems have given way to algorithms. This is why it's so much more vital for Phil Hurley to maintain his lifestyle, to make human connections. Play, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. It's the only way. There's so many more places you can be seen, but there's so few of them that actually have any gravity or have any real weight that, I mean, everybody can put a video on YouTube. Everybody can put something on TikTok. Everybody can put something on Instagram. It's great that the, it's an even playing field, but how you get yours to stick out, if anybody had the answer, they'd be selling it. I mean, that's why the record industry is in such shambles. Nobody knows how to do it now. Phil Hurley's got another new EP in the works. He'll put it up on YouTube. He'll probably check the comments and the Spotify plays. That's what we all do nowadays. We collect our Monopoly money and hang on to our love of the game. We find our little pockets of popularity and positive vibes, the good clubs and the good people, and we nurture them. For Phil, getting back in the game has meant touring all over the U.S. in 2023. And just like he did with Gigolo Ant so many moons ago, a goal to tour overseas in the near future. Because that was some of the most rewarding times of my life. And I, and I feel like this music could fly over there. So I don't exactly how to open those gates again. But if you're out there listening, I'm ready. <laughs> the UK audience is titillated right now. Um... <laughs> yes. My name's Phil. I'm going to play some songs for you. 
next first song is called The Other Way. MTF mended Phil Hurley's hand because they understand the value of music that no amount of Spotify spins can compare to. And maybe they did a little work on Phil's heart and his nerves, too, considering he had his livelihood taken away for a few years, and had it put in jeopardy maybe forever. All it took was that one come on, that yes from Dr. Alton Barron and the Musician Treatment Foundation. If you're a musician with an upper limbs injury, find out how you can get help at mtfusa.org. And find out more about Phil Hurley at philhurleymusic.com. Big thanks to Phil for the time and the great conversation. Irene Chang Samino and the fine folks at MTF for peeping me to their awesome nonprofit. And Olivia DelVal at Surefire Media for connecting us. And thank you, loyal podcast listener. I see you back there. Before you head out, why don't you leave a kind review for Independent Minded on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's always appreciated. And you can hear archived episodes at soundcloud.com slash baldfreak and find out more at baldfreak.com slash podcast. Independent Minded is a Bald Freak music production, and I'm still Ron Scalzo. You're a natural. You're a freak. You're a freak. Thank you. I appreciate it.